Over cups of late-night coffee, I shared all that the subway ghost had told me with my partner. Huddled under blankets with the curtains closed and the doors shut to Francis's specifications, the world outside gone from view. They were worried, and so was I. We agreed that the best thing we could do for ourselves was to leave the city for a little while and take a trip somewhere. It wasn't too late in the year for camping now, but summer was drifting away into that muggy, rainy period before proper autumn, and I hated camping in the rain. Our bank accounts wouldn't stretch to paying for rooms in a hotel somewhere, so we finally decided to find a cheap youth hostel in the countryside somewhere and pay for two bunks in a dorm. We drove up the next weekend in the late morning, my partner ready with printed instructions and our favourite songs playing softly as we made our way out of the city and into the world beyond. I felt such an unexpected lightness as we passed through the fields. I had turned into a beautiful late August day, clear and only slightly damp. The summer was getting to its last legs, green trees only just beginning to be touched with gold. It took us a couple of hours of hunting to finally track down the hostel, somewhere on the edge of a small village. I didn't know the area well at all, and I had never heard of the place before. It looked like a hundred other tiny Scottish villages. Stone cottages, a mill converted into a touristy boutique with fancy tartan crafts in the window, and a kirk on the main square. The hostel was at the far end of the main street, set back in gently decaying grounds. It was an old converted manor house, now with cheap extensions tacked on the sides and a huge gravel driveway at the front where the lawn would have been. The website I had found it on only had a short paragraph about the history of the place. Just another old home that had lost its original owner through the march of time. The age of the building made me consider the ghosts we might encounter inside. I wondered how much a territory had to change to make a ghost lose their sense of self. The number of lost and forgotten spirits must be countless, each one of them trapped here by something that had happened during their lives, doomed to wander with no recollection of their goal. My partner nudged me out of my reverie and we went inside. It felt very much like any other hostel, all cheap pine wood panelling, a big reception with shelves of basic supplies for sale behind it, maps of the local area on all the walls and doors leading off to mazes of corridors beyond. We were greeted by a cheery-looking man who handed us our key and sent us off to hunt down our room. We wandered up three flights of narrow stairs, down another set, round a dozen turns and finally found it. We were in the Pine Martin suite. A carton of the animal was stuck to the door. Its eyes looked out with suspicion and I felt an immediate affinity with it. We made a note of where the room was and headed back out to the car, ready to find somewhere to eat and start exploring. The rest of the day passed pleasantly. The village was bland and pretty empty, but it was a beautiful day and we found a slow-moving river with a little hollow where we ate a lunch we bought from the one little food shop we could find. We spent time considering various souvenirs and checking pamphlets for local walks we knew we had no intention of trying. Finally, the sun began to sink and we headed back for dinner. There was a pub a short walk from the hostel, which was blessedly busy and almost lively when we entered it. We both ordered huge plates of food and beer and by the time we had finished we were just about ready to nod off. It was barely nine when we headed back to the hostel and hunted down the Pine Martin suite once again. The room was empty when we entered, but a number of bags were lying on various beds. I drifted off soon after. In the early morning, I woke up in the confusing haze you get when you're in a new place, and for a moment you have no idea what's going on or where you could be. I sat up, clutching my phone, and looked around until my brain finally caught up. 
The room was dark and quiet, with just the sound of the other guests breathing softly. I looked down from my top bunk to look at the dark shapes of the other bunk beds and felt myself grow calm. I began to wonder why I had woken up and glanced at the window. Outside, the gravel driveway was bathed in moonlight, and I could see right down the main street, past the rows of cottages and into the fields and trees beyond. There was no movement, not even the wind. It was deathly quiet. Quiet. I felt that low, familiar sense of unease once again as I realised it. All day we had avoided silence, playing music in the car, going into the busiest places in the village and chatting loudly to each other. Now, with everyone else asleep, I had managed to get myself alone again. Almost as if it had been waiting for me to realise it, the room began to creak with the low thrum that I felt in my bones. I sighed and clambered out of the bed. I felt a wave of irritation hit me as I made it to the floor and grabbed a jumper and my shoes. Then I headed out of the Pine Martin suite and down the hall. The narrow corridor was dimly lit by fluorescent lights on the ceiling. The air had grown cold. I pulled on the jumper and made my way to the bathroom. If the spirit world wanted my attention, then this time it would have to wait until I was ready for it. I finally found the right door and headed in, feeling around for a light switch. When I clicked it, the light filled the room all at once, illuminating the large and spotted mirror on the far wall and the ghostly apparition that filled it for just a split second. I rubbed my eyes blearily and gave it a polite nod. Then I found a cubicle and used it. Afterwards, as I used the freezing tap water to wash my hands, I saw my reflection in the mirror age in front of me. I watched myself grow suddenly wrinkled, then rot, and finally my skeleton turned to dust. I turned to find something to dry my hands with. That's pretty rude, I'll have you know I have an excellent skincare routine, I remarked to the bathroom. My reflection faded back to normal. I wiped my hands dry on my jumper, having found nothing else. I headed back down the corridor until I found a staircase. As I walked down, all the paintings on the walls began to shake. I rolled my eyes and reached the bottom, where I headed to a games room I had spotted earlier. I figured if I spent the rest of the night in there, then whatever was haunting me was less likely to bother the other guests, and at least my partner would get a good night's sleep. The games room had large bay windows, a shabby pool table, and an overstuffed sofa. I pulled out a magazine from a cluttered bookshelf and settled down. The ghost rattled some pool balls for a while, then seemed to settle down too. A cold draught over my shoulder gave me the impression that it was reading the magazine with me. I began to feel sleepy again. This wasn't so bad. Then, all of a sudden, the window behind us shook as something banged against it. I spun round and looked out. Outside, it was still silent and empty. I stared hard, trying to see any tiny movement. I could still feel the cold from the ghost nearby. If it was in here with me, what was outside? Another spirit? I had just turned back to the magazine when the second bang hit the window, so loud that I jumped right up. It seemed to alarm the ghost too, who flung the sofa cushions right across the room at the same time. I looked outside again, but again, nothing had changed. I put down the magazine, beginning to feel anxious. The ghost and I left the games room, the door slamming behind us, and headed all the way down to the reception area. The desk was unmanned and the front door on the latch, so I swung it open and stepped right up to the edge of the doorframe, looking out into the night. I glared into the darkness. In front of me, all the lights on the main street went out at once. Then, 
Very slowly came a thumping noise that grew louder and louder. Far away in the distance I saw a flicker of light at what I guessed was the other end of the street. The light grew brighter and I realised it was moving towards the hostel. As it grew closer I could see a shape around it, but it wasn't until it had almost reached the gate that I could see what it was. It was one of the cottages. Its twisting stone bulk was headed straight for the hostel, creaking and thumping as it moved. The windows all lit up with that flickering light. Smoke came out of the chimney in a billowing cloud, giving it the feeling of some unnatural machine. I processed what I was seeing, then stepped back and closed that front door. A whole moving building was beyond what I was prepared to deal with. I stood for a moment in the reception while the hostel ghost knocked over a pot of pans, then made up my mind and headed back upstairs. I walked as fast as I could, breaking into a run as I reached the right floor, and opened the door to the Pine Martin suite as fast as I could with shaking hands. I walked over to my partner's bunk and shook them awake, hissing my story to them. It took a few tries for it to sink in, but eventually we were both getting properly dressed, grabbing the rest of our stuff and ready to get out of there. I looked around the room guiltily. I had no idea how dangerous this was going to get, and I couldn't just abandon the other guests. We headed outside the room and looked out the closest window. Things had changed dramatically outside. Two more cottages had now reached the gate and were on their way up the street. All the village buildings had turned to face the hostel and were completely out of alignment with the road. Every window was lit up brightly and I could clearly see now that the street was blocked completely. There was no way to drive away. We were trapped. A deep shaking suddenly hit the hostel and both of us toppled over and sent the ghost following me, screaming along the corridor. Panicking, I did the only thing I could think of and ran to the nearest fire alarm, setting it off as soon as I reached it. The ringing came immediately and soon we could hear stirring from behind the different doors, guests appearing looking annoyed and tired. My partner and I headed outside, eyeing the ghost buildings warily. They hadn't tried to move beyond the gate, as if waiting for something. The other guests began to appear, looking tired and grumpy. This rapidly changed to tired and terrified when they spotted the ghost building surrounding them. I spotted the hotel receptionist standing with some other staff members looking utterly confused and scared. The sound of the fire alarm changed from a high-pitched ringing into a deep roar. Every window in the hostel lit up, matching the glowing lights in the other buildings. Then, shaking and shuddering, the whole building began to pull up from its foundation and move forward. The guests and staff screamed and dashed for their cars. We did the same, turning on the engine and looking around desperately for any kind of escape route, but we were trapped on every side. The other ghost building set up a wail as if in response to the hostel. The sound echoed around us as we huddled down in the car. Then, one by one, they began to disappear. I stuck my head out to watch as they vanished, leaving behind momentary ghost lights like the lamps on the bridge so long ago. Then they faded into darkness, and all was silent. We got out of the car and looked around. We were no longer on a gravel driveway, but in what seemed to be a field. The soft sound of the river and the voices of the confused people echoed about. I suddenly felt starving. I figured that if the entire village had been made of ghosts, then we hadn't actually eaten real food since the morning before. I watched the other guests walk across the field to find their luggage lying in heaps, left over from the hostel. There was so much to process. The other ghost, the one that had haunted me awake, was not gone, however. 
It was nearby, no more visible, a pale humanoid-looking figure who was carefully inspecting a patch of the field as if clearing up after messy gasps. It noticed me staring and nodded to me. I thought I saw a smile before it headed off to check the rest of its territory. Someone else found the gate out of the field and shouted that it led to the road. We moved back towards the car, shaken but thankful that no one had been hurt. I wondered what the other guests would make of the night. As we headed back onto the road and prepared for a long drive home in the dark, I privately resigned myself to the fact that I couldn't run away from whatever was happening. There are always consequences for meddling. Glasgow Ghost Stories is written and produced by Libby Thomas. Credits are read by Harris Jones. The theme music is by Kevin MacLeod, and the sound effects are from freesound.org. Thanks for listening. It's a shame that ghost hostel vanished. We won't get such cheap rates again. <laughs>